Wowee! This week's guest is a very, very special one. Welcome to episode 67, ladies and gentlemen. In a matter of a few months, I've become incredibly close with Arjun and consider him one of my closest friends. If you play poker or Texas Hold'em, you'd know that pocket aces are the strongest hand and Arjun Agawal is exactly that. Not only an ace of a human being, but someone you want in your corner. He has been one of my biggest supporters and someone I admire truly for his grit. Mayank and I have had a ball chatting with Arjun and couldn't believe the time that had flown by in conversation. We chat about Arjun growing up in South Africa and India, losing his papa, and the incredible relationship he has with his mum, his best friend, and a relationship I really envy. Arj also shares some stuff for the first time too, but you're going to have to wait and hear his majestic voice describe and explain and process some of the biggest events in his life. This one is raw and delivered straight from the heart, and we don't waste any time getting straight into it. Enjoy the listen and let us know what you think. Here's Arj. In, 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 in true fashion, Mank and I thought, why don't we, why don't we go straight into it okay. um, and, and break this down? Let's so, for you, for you, I think one of the one of the biggest questions that kind of go through my um, my noggin is you have a noggin. Sometimes it's not found, my friend. Sometimes it's not found. It yeah. is an extremely yeah. large head that Sonny has. I, I could not agree with you more. <laughs> um, I think a lot, a lot of people know you for, um, you know, you came to Australia, was it 2020? Yes. You came into Australia. Yes. 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 What a and time. Yeah, like in, I, when, when we first met, I, I could not have believed that you had come you know, like in the last couple of years, just because of so many people that you have just met, and yeah. you know, you've built such a wonderful community in Melbourne. Oh, you're and too kind, w- my friend. That is the truth, <laughs> and I think one of the things that goes through my my mind is, um, you could have easily settled with your mum in Mumbai and carried down the corporate route. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about um, what Papa meant to you, yes, and your relationship with money, and and how yes. life has sort of changed over the last couple of years. <clears throat> But, you know, you could have gone down that straight path of um, economic stability mm-hmm. uh, in Mumbai. You know, you're doing investment banking and you're working um, in that finance route. Why, <clears throat> why, why put yourself through the struggle of coming to Australia, setting up again and going down the startup route? Yeah, uh, that's, that's quite a loaded one to get started off with. That's on a 7am <laughs> on a Sunday. But as I said, up for the challenge, let's go. Um, twofold. So the logical route when I was, when I was in Mumbai and when you know, the whole family is there, we're, we're a collectivist sort of family, right? In, in Indian culture and when everyone's looking at what you're going to do next or suggesting or advising on what you need to do next it's always take the logical route right the mm. least risky route you know i had a stable job i could have worked harder for a couple of years gotten promoted getting a got a better pay package moved to a better apartment for myself and mom but I kept asking myself in that job. So this this is my routine, right? I'd wake up early in the morning, five thirty six, 
get get ready um seven seven thirty i'd go down i had a rickshaw bhaiya who i used to pay every morning be like please wait for me so i don't have to spend 30 minutes calling a rickshaw um mm. and he would wait for me i'd then you know sit in traffic for a good 30 40 minutes get to the office by 8 8 30 uh literally and i don't say this lightly grind from 8 45 a.m till sometimes 10 11 o'clock at night and the day would just go by which would be me in the office um working on some absurd deal that deals and deal flow that i was very fortunate to be working on at my age but i was never doing anything that actually tipped the needle on making the world a better place and that is something that i've held dear to my heart from day one i've always been told i'm unrealistic i'm idealistic um i you know i i think i have this picture of the world in my head that isn't <coughs> true and whilst that might be the case i always thought that if, if there's enough people that come together there's a way we can make the world we want it to be and i simply wasn't able to do that in this job like i would be mm. there just in meetings in calls having discussions with colleagues um, and it would get monotonous and boring. I'd come home, I'd eat, I'd go to sleep and the next day I'd repeat. Then I spoke to my mentor and we had a, like in-depth conversation. My mentor was very kind to write me reference letters, letters of recommendation to Oxford, to Harvard through his networks and they still wouldn't budge. And then he suggested Melbourne and he's like, look, you've grown up in South Africa I understand you appreciate the people that are around you. You appreciate diversity. The closest thing you'll get to what you believe is home is probably Melbourne. And so I thought of coming down to Melbourne because I treat the man, the next image I have to a father himself and my mother's brother. And I was like, cool, if you're saying it, I'll trust you. I believe you. I applied to colleges and universities in, in Australia in general, not just Melbourne. All of them rejected me as well. Um, and then after I wrote an appeal out to the Uni Melb Dean for my master's, um, that's when it was decided, okay, Melbourne it is and Australia it is because that was the only university in the world that was willing to take a punt on me. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. how I chose and ended up in, in Australia and why I chose the path of, you know, why not stick to the corporate route because it just was, it was painful. Yeah, I, it's like a really. I think in life in general, there's a there's a a balance. It's often seen as a balance between risk and recklessness. I mean, you want to take risks in life, right? You want to. I mean, you need to take risks in life to make life worth living and mm. to make life actually interesting. But you don't want to be reckless in the sense that making a decision that will have a long lasting, permanent bad impact on you in the long run what what did the process look like in your head mm. in terms of uh lifting up everything from mm. india and moving over here mm. how did you how did in your mind rationalize this move to australia in, in knowing that you have to take care of someone else and yeah and, and making the yeah. making the leap over i think this was very much on the border of recklessness um, I was strongly advised by of course it was, <laughs> by everyone other than mm. my mother to 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 not do this, and that was because mm. you know um, 
my parents had taken a very similar decision 23 years ago when they got married and just uh, Baba and mum decided to move to South Africa. So in the family's mind, it was, this is history repeating itself. We need to stop Arjun from doing this at all costs. But after I spoke to everyone, you know, mum was my biggest advocate and she, she was like, she fought with the family. She presented pictures to the family um, to say, no, Arjun wants to study further. We've got to let him study further. He's grown up outside of South Africa. He wants to make something of himself. To, for me to decide between whether it's reckless, what was the other one? Reckless or? Risk, 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 risk or, or reckless was, it was the same mentality that goes through my head every time I get rejected was what do I have to lose? And I had nothing at the time. I had a job that was putting food on the table, sure, and a roof over my head, but I was miserable and I needed to try find a pathway to happiness. And I was like, what am I going to lose? worst case i go study i absolutely hate it and i'm not able to do anything with myself i'm not able to make a network to meet new people to explore the world to build something and best case i take a risk that no one else not many people would logically ever take and it pays off in ways that i could not even fathom or calculate and that i guess is also the hallmark trait of any entrepreneur and you anyone that starts anything both of yourself included you you go in knowing what the worst outcome is and you hope for the best and with the recklessness portion i think with life if you're not operating on that border of risky or reckless it's just so boring man because when i landed in melbourne i was like shit i actually moved to another country again and whilst mm. that was frightening i was also just excited by it i was like you've got to make something of this you know you've taken you've fought so hard to get here it's time to make it worth it then next reckless mistake uh, so typically funding for these things work in you know you you get education loans which are backed by assets Mum and I had absolutely nothing to back anything by. Mm. Reckless step number two was, okay, Arjun needs to take personal loans based off of his income at double the interest rate to be able to fund his living mm. expense. Reckless mistake number, not mistake, fortunate thing number four was, okay, that's living expense. How do we pay for tuition? So I tried to get a scholarship, got a bit through scholarship, and then I had to call up my mentor and ask him. I was like, bruh, I don't like I got accepted after getting rejected I managed to get the living stuff together but like how do we do with tuition and he and this is this is this is when recklessness is almost rewarded I guess because and he asked me he's like okay Arjun how much do you need I was like it's not a small amount bro he's like give me the number I'm like it's like 43 grand in, in AUD he's like cool I'm good for it and I was just shocked on the phone I'm like Mate, what? Yeah. Like, you know me, you know my family, you know everything has gone on. You, you're willing to take a $40,000 punt on my reckless behavior? He's like, because I know you, I'm willing to take that punt on your behavior yeah. because I know you're going to make something of it and you're not going to take it lightly. So recklessness is rewarded in the most surprising ways and mm. it is only because of him that I'm here today. Understand what we're going through. And she was like, cool. That's all right. This is life. We've been through worse. We'll get through it. So every time mm -hmm. it's like, 
you know there's no way out you 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 almost this recklessness powers you to just no you're gonna go forward you're gonna do it again you can't give up so yeah i hope that answers the question yeah, it it does. It, it, I'm I'm really interested to know like what was your like what what were your emotions at that at that time? Mm. I mean, and you've told us it, the, yeah. the process and what yeah. you're thinking. Yeah, but it'll be really good to know like what yeah. you what were you feeling at mm. that time? What yeah. was the? It was a lot of anxiety, a lot of imposter syndrome of who the hell do I think I am that I can pull this off? A lot of self doubt. Yeah, so much self doubt. Um, which you know fills in on the imposter syndrome, but also just fear, um, fear for wanting to prove everyone who doubted me right, and what happens if I don't? Fear for not being able to pay back my mentor's money if he if he if I come through. Fear for not getting a job. To be at this point, I hadn't even thought about how do I get a visa after this? Because I was like. No, once I get there, I'll meet people, I'll cultivate an opportunity. Because every every opportunity or job I've ever had in my life, I've never really applied for. I've had to create that opportunity because traditional routes don't work. So there was this fear of, Arjun, what if your luck runs out? What if you're not able to pull this off? You know. So the emotions, mm. like I still remember, I gave an interview in one of the boardrooms at my previous work i was dressed in you know traditional banking attire but i had to look like an entrepreneur so i unbuttoned one of my shirts off my blazer pulled off my (laughs) sleeves um Mm. and even giving that i was just i was like i kept questioning myself i was like are you doing the right thing is this is this what you need to do is this correct like it was just all these emotions of and the other thing was i i I, a lot of times a son is, is looked at through the lens of what his father may have done or may not have done. And you've always got that lens of, I don't want anyone to think I'm going down the same path or that you're different and that you know I'm not going to end up like him. And that's the fear everyone had. I was like, I've got to try. I, I didn't want to prove everyone wrong, but I also wanted to prove myself that... I had the ability to do things differently and achieve something and make a difference. And I knew I wouldn't be able to do that there. And that's what the emotion that kicked when I, when I acknowledged to myself, I was like, yes, you've got all of this anxiety, all this stress, all this, you know, um, imposter syndrome, self doubt. But Mm. the one thing you know for sure is what you don't want. And using that, Mm. I was like, okay, you know what you don't want. You haven't fully figured out what you do want, but this is definitely not it. So just go do the other thing and you'll figure out if you like it or not. And it was kind of anchoring onto that one point that helped me get rid of the rest of the anxiety and and the Mm self-doubt and the stress. I'm not going to lie, it was fucking stressful. But then once (laughs) I came here, right, and I was like, okay, this is is the life you wanted to work towards. Um, This is what you needed. Now you've got to make it count. That's when I was like, started being a bit happy, but it was still always at the back yeah, of my head. Yeah. All this anxiety, yeah. all this self-doubt, and it still <laughs> comes through today. Some of my closest friends are like, Arj, why do you have so much self-doubt? And I'm like, it is so hard to navigate confidence, self-doubt, and just being, right? It is so hard, because if you portray, ah, oh, 
I got my shit. I'm, I'm, I'm king shit. I'm the best yeah. person in the world. People are like, you're too full of yourself. And yeah. Yeah. if you don't show that, then people are like, oh, this guy's not confident. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. How can we trust him? And I've got to deal with mm. every day with investors, with you know, my team, with people I meet at work. It's, it's so hard. But it's harder when you have to do it to yourself, right? And that's what was going through yeah. my, all the emotions going through my, my head and my heart at the time. It was like, it's different balancing this confidence and self-doubt thing with others. Mm. It's different balancing it for yourself because you've got this internal dialogue going on in your head and you're like, who yeah. the fuck do you trust, right? <laughs> which which yeah. voice do you no. listen to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, it, it sounds like a lot of your... A lot of this, and, and firstly, thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of this is, it seems like the anxiety came from outcome, from like anxiety based on the outcome. And yeah. it, what that yeah. tells me is that deep inside of you, you had a certain level of confidence in the process of, of, of going through what you were doing, but it was more mm-hmm. so the the outcome of what if this doesn't work out? That's, mm-hmm. That seems yes. like the, the, the root of, the, of, of yes. all your anxieties there. Yes, hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head. Many, um, I know we've we've um, spoken a little bit about Papa and uh, the role he's played in your life, and yes. you talked about the mentor that was almost like the the pseudo figure of Papa in yes. in, in life yes. now. And um, you know, many many of us go through life with a plan in our heads of what it looks like, what it feels like, and we sometimes forget that sudden things can just happen and throw yes. everything out of whack and our whole trajectory. Yes. What, you know, like, and you, you, you spoke to it just a moment ago, coming from South mm. Africa to Mumbai, you know, that was already mm. a change in itself. And so what's Mumbai mm. to Melbourne, you know, you might as mm. well complete yeah. the whole, yeah. the whole, the whole trick at the same time. It'll <laughs> yep, 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 uh, yep. be Mumbai to Toronto next or New York or London, wherever you change the world, you know. Um, Who knows? I've been uh, told to a, go there's visit There's a couch Sanfran. here in London, by the way. <laughs> um, but, but, um, can can you just for, yeah like can you just explain like what your relationship was like with Papa because mm. I know um, having known you for the short but intense time that I have over the last yes. couple of months um, yeah. I know he's played such a huge anchoring role in in what you yes. do in just the same way that your yeah. mum does and yeah. Um, yeah 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 I think growing up and i think this is this may hold true for every every son daughter um mm. child uh baba was like always my hero he was like mm. there's nothing he can't do like if and that that was genuinely the case uh everyone in the community respected him for that he would he'd achieved a huge amount of success at a very young age him and mum, you know, packing bags, moving countries in 1996, <laughs> setting up a business, supporting the community. Um, but that path as well was not without challenges, but he'd always come out of those challenges, right? That was me, you know, young phase of me. Then, you know, teenage boys, okay, what the fuck happened there? Um, <laughs> you're like, no, I'm a rebel. I'm a fight with parents at every, every opportunity I get. They don't know anything. I know better. I know how the world works. And during my formative teenage years is, is actually when, when a lot of things, unfortunately, not through any other volition, but 
circumstances in life and certain you know decisions things started falling apart for us as a family mm. so um papa just background context was and and mom's business they were some of south africa's most famous entre- and successful entrepreneurs in the pharmaceutical um industry and this was all natural you know ayurvedic medication passed down through centuries and which supported a lot of people across South Africa who didn't want uh, medis- other medicinal or drug-based um, cures for their ailments. And it got to a point where, you know, we were stocked in you know, every, every doctor, every health shop, everyone would prescribe meds and stuff like that. And whilst Baba was fantastic at running the business, um, personal financial management was not his core skill set. Mm. Um, and I think that came with also the young age and also, you know, he didn't have all access to the information he needed to. Um, and so people ended up taking advantage of that. And he sadly ended up losing his entire life savings in, in the millions. And five years post this, he ended up losing his life. So... The question you asked around was my relationship with him. I think until about 13, 14, you know, he was, he, he, I still remember categorically, he took me to watch Iron Man. Papa is a lot like this, you know, and mm. he gave me so many experiences growing up, whether it was, you know, prepping me for achieving my goals or, or supporting me when I didn't. He would never, nor would mom ever be like, okay, you horrible person who didn't achieve this goal. They're like, you didn't achieve the goal, it's okay, work towards achieving it the next time. So, and then in my teenage formative years when things started falling apart, as any teenager has a kind of burst of hormones, I started, I started almost looking for, for a way out and he started becoming not the hero, um, I guess the anti-hero and I started sort of blaming him for things and I was like, and part of me, just could I couldn't, it didn't sit well with me that I did that, but I just had this anger, which is like, how could we let other people destroy our lives after everything we'd worked for and you'd built, right? Um, and it got to the point where, I, where him and I did not have the best relationship. We'd kind of argue all the time or we'd have tiffs or I'd just be rude. Um, and mum wasn't happy with this, obviously. Mm. Um, and not, I, inside, nor was I. But I felt like, I don't know if this is passive-aggressive stuff, but it felt like I needed to step up or fight with him or counter his decisions or be there with him so he no one would you know make any more mistakes or take advantage of him mm. or he wouldn't take a misstep. And I had to do that at a very early age. So this was like, you know, ending high school, starting uni. And I was like, and part of me was also like, I shouldn't have to do this. This is, these are, this is my time to, you know, live life, do crazy things, um, enjoy, make mistakes. But I had to, you know, make sure that we weren't ending up in a worse situation than we were. So my relationship went from hero to anti-hero to okay no this is baba this is mom they have done everything they could to make me who i am and what i am my job here is the the last thing i need to do is fight and villainize the most important people in my life my job here is to support them 
into the next stage of, okay, we've had a difficult phase. How do we get out of it? And then that's when I started realizing everything else about Baba. So um, one thing that he, a practice he held dear to his life was whether we were well off and when we'd lost everything as well, whenever he'd be on his way back home and he found homeless people um, or people suffering from homelessness, he would make sure that they would not go to bed hungry. He would give them a, pa a, a packet of milk and some bread and people appreciated that. And this was this practice of giving back to the community stayed consistent throughout his entire being, right? Um, he would always encourage me to volunteer. He'd be like, your time is better spent serving others than it is serving yourself. He'd be upset with me if I woke up late, not because he was angry or he wanted me to manage a routine, because he valued the time I could give to the community. He would, him and mom would always be like, no, if there's an opportunity to go support the community, you need to be there. And this was from like growing up school, high school, uni. And if, and to be honest, if Baba hadn't done that, if he hadn't sent me to the school he did, if I didn't volunteer for the NGO that I volunteered for, for I think eight years of my life and my mentor who ran that NGO, I wouldn't be in Melbourne. So all this you know, stuff that, that they did for me and they built me into was something that I knew I had to, you know, use to support them. And I think that switch to, to do that for Baba flicked in me too late um, because by the time I'd started doing that and was working towards that and trying to mend things I'd said and, and a relationship I'd, I'd sort of fucked up that's when I, I still remember the day it was like we were planning a trip to Dubai to fix everything um, we'd come up we we'd found a deal to close which I overlooked my 18 19 year old self mm. overlooking a deal that my dad's doing to acquire a company um, and everything checked out we were about to fly out to Dubai to sign the papers and stuff um, this was Saturday and the flight was on Tuesday and as always, I'd woken up late that morning and he was a bit pissed. He's like, don't you need to go to the Emirates office to book our tickets? I'm like, yes, yes, I'll go. I'm sorry, I'll go. Um, called me, came home and then, you know, um, trigger. But yeah, he, he passed in front of me, he had a heart attack, fell and you know, had a stroke. Um, and it was this relationship between him and I, I still sort of blame myself for how much pain I inflicted on him um, because he did everything for me. And I then went in and I was like, how could you make this happen to us? This is all your fault, blah, blah, blah. And it really wasn't. Life, life doesn't always go to plan, Sonny. And that day was the biggest reminder for me of life not going to plan because um, I've I was there's so dad's plan was so we had a we the apartment block we were in was literally a minute walk to the nearest hospital a minute walk to the nearest petrol station a five minute walk to the nearest um uh shopping center grocery sort of store the reason why he did that was if we ever need to get somewhere um and it was very close to the main road We've got access to healthcare, we've got access to consumables, we've got access to necessary products, etc. That day, 
I ran to the hospital. Like I, I sprinted faster than I've ever sprinted in my life. I know you've seen me run at park run, but you haven't seen me sprint. I can sprint pretty fast. <laughs> um, I, I got to the to the place. The hospital doesn't have an ambulance. The hospital next to our house did not have an ambulance to take him no. anywhere. Um, I the car, I did, couldn't get the car out in time because he'd already collapsed. Couldn't lift him up. The paramedics eventually three to four paramedics teams came in but it was too late and you know we were supposed to fly out to tuesday to sign everything and fix life and everything was looking on the up and then this happened so my relationship with him was was very you're my hero to oh my god what have you done to oh my god what have i done i need to fix things and build this with you and sort and support our family and that is my duty as a, as your son as my mother's son to shit i that switch flicked too late and that's mm. something i will regret for it's one of the things i've accepted i will regret for the rest of my life including the fact that um just before he passed i i decided to walk away um because i was like okay rest i'm here whatever you need and if i hadn't i'd have been able to prevent his fall but everyone tells me that's just not the case um yeah. but anyway that's that's a different discussion these are things that I will hold with myself to the time I go to my grave, but it's things that defined a relationship and a life that I've lived since. Because those teachings of your time is used better serving others than serving yourself is what I live my life by. Everything yeah. I do, everything I am, I know there is this culture of we've got to post things on Instagram and social media to build a personal brand and it might look like Ah, oh, this guy's too full of himself. He just talks about the stuff he does. I'm doing this because the world needs me to so that it can let me do the other things I want to for the world. I'm not doing mm. this for the recognition. I'm not doing this to be on lists. I'm not doing this for anything other than genuinely wanting to change how the world operates so no other family goes through the trials, tribulations and struggles we've had to. So everything I i do is because of what mom and papa have taught me around service above self is what you live your life by and you know integrity honesty i feel like i'm with abachan anyway but um those those are the things that define who i am and the day day we found out we'd lost everything right I still remember the story categorically. That was the first time my father ever shed a tear. But do you yeah. know what happened? Mum went up to him and said, hey, it's just money. We made it the first time, we'll make it again. We stand back up, we got a kid to take care of, it's okay. And it's that grit and that determination that even after you've lost everything, guys, working for 10, 20 years to build an empire or a business or a life and then losing everything like this is not something you get over very easily yeah but if if that is something that he and mom have the power to say it's okay we accept it's shit it's horrible it's absolutely fucking pathetic but we're mm. gonna get out of it um Having having seen that at a very early age is, I guess, the what's driven everything else I do and driven part of my relationship with everyone I have. I don't give up. 
um, unless you give me a, re a real hard reason to. Um, or life just ends up with decisions that don't make sense. I will not give up on mm. any close friend relationship I have, on any relationship for that matter. I will not give up on chasing a dream that I know is going to work. I will not give up, um, no matter how much is stacked up against me. And the only reason that is, is Baba. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's people will always call you crazy. People will always say, oh, what are you doing? You've done this before. This history repeating itself. But if it's if you learn from history, if you understand the weight of the stuff that's gone wrong, the the drive to right the wrongs and prove people wrong, not for them to prove them wrong, but for yourself that nah, you took mm. this decision, but it paid off. Yes, there is still a, that area of don't do something crazy. Like don't put your entire life on the line for something that may never work. That's why you've mm. got a community around you. You've got people supporting you. You've got people to soundboard. And I think that's the mistake my parents made, which I kept telling them for. I was like, you lived in isolation. Even when you messed up, you never shared mistakes. You never spoke to other people. And ever since that day, every time I have to take a critical decision in my life, I don't do it unless I've spoken mm. to mum, my three, four closest friends, some people in India, like my mum's brother, who I also regard as a pseudo father figure. Mm. And that helps because it keeps your recklessness in check. And mm. so in conclusion of this long-winded response to your question, <laughs> Papa's defined everything I do and more importantly, everything I don't do because... Yeah. You can't live life looking at only what you should be doing. You've got mm. to also understand what you shouldn't be doing and shouldn't let happen again. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it was a it was a roller coaster relationship as it is mm. in any ethnic household. Mm. But Papa was also the one that always used to t let me take risks. Um, yeah. I remember we I went bungee jumping <laughs> off the world's <laughs> highest bungee bridge. <laughs> Who was the guy that took me there? Papa. Mm. I went yeah. skydiving. Who was the guy that shoved me in the plane? He was like, you're going to do it. You'll be fine. Him. Yeah. Where was mom at this point in time? On another <laughs> continent. When did she get the phone call? After I jumped off the bridge. Yeah. Did she lose her shit? Of course she did. <laughs> Would I have been able to do that without her? With her being there? No. Yeah. Um, you know, it was... A, a fa having a fatherly figure is, is very important. Unfortunately, our world and society is a bit patriarchal. So growing up without that male sort of figure in my life has been a bit of a challenge and is, is a lot of the reasons why I may come across at times is like I genuinely have always gotten along better with, with women or you know, yeah. um, people of the opposite sex. And that's taken in the wrong way sometimes. You know, oh, he, you know, he's always after girls or he's only with girls. I'm like, well, my mother's practically <laughs> raised me and she's my mother and my father and... I've struggled to be confident enough around other guys. And that's not because of any other volition that Papa was genuinely busy growing up. And mm. I had time with him. He was always there for me. He showed up, you know, dropping me to school, taking me, encouraging me to do sports, being at all my events, games, matches, whatever. But um, when I guess the formative parts of my life happened, he wasn't there. Who was there was my mom, my mom's sisters. Um, my close, my best friend in the whole wide world, who is also a woman. Um, so it's, it's difficult 
with not having a father figure, but also using a father figure is, is also important. I don't know how I went onto that track, but just wanted <laughs> to capture that. <laughs> um, very, yeah. very beautifully said, man. Yeah. And yeah. thank you thank you for sharing. A, yeah. there, there was a lot of threads in all of that. A lot of yeah. threads. <laughs> and I, I can't help but just think of like your mum as well throughout this whole process. I know yeah. you're incredibly close with your mum and for her as well because after papa passed away you're you know you're the the only son and at the same time you've got your mum and not only are you grieving the loss of dad um but you're also perhaps battling the thoughts and the feelings of okay how do i look after my mum and similarly your mum is also asking the same things where I'm now having to raise Arj by myself and how, yeah, how, how did that relationship look sort of immediately after everything had happened? I know, I know today you two are incredibly tight and very, very close. Um, she's your best friend, right? Um, but yeah, what was it like? What was it like when everything was happening? I'm going to say something which I don't think many people know and I, 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 and I, thanks for making this space for me to be able to say this. I don't think I ever had time to grieve mm-hmm. Baba's loss. Um, and I probably still am grieving it. Because the first thing I knew when everything happened was, okay, he's not there. I've, and obviously this is something very difficult, losing your life partner of 20 odd year, 25, 26 odd years. I need to take care of mom. What do I do next? Now, I was aware of, you know, our financial situation at the time, our obligations at the time, my obligations at the time. I sat outside the door for a minute or two. A maid of mine came over. He offered me a glass of water. He said, Arjun, get up. You've got to take care of mom. And from that point on, that's all I did. I was like, okay. I, I don't think I, I cried maybe for a couple minutes. I, I've cried alone since then, multiple times when I miss him, when I remember him. But to actually grieve him, I don't think I've had the chance to properly, as anyone should be afforded to. And it's not because I didn't want to, it's genuine because life doesn't go to plan. Um, and I need to take care of mom. So that's what I did. Uh, we had you know, multiple discussions. We had to move houses shortly after he passed. Um, we moved houses, you know, packing, shipping. I had to get a job. I had to finish my education. I had to focus on that. I was like, okay, no, I need to get this degree because this degree gets me and mom financial independence. Um, I have to, you know, get a job so we have some extra income. I have to, so everything went cool. This has happened. We need to deal with it. We'll deal with the pain later. Not the best decision in hindsight, mm. um, but one that had to be taken. And mum, unfortunately, was very much the same. She did. She has obviously had time to grieve, and I'm grateful she has. That's why we moved back to India at the end of 2017. Her health had... Like, Sunny, you've seen my mum. She was, I think, 40 kilograms when we moved to India in 2017. Oh. 
um, people used to think she's my daughter or my sister. Yeah. They already think we're married when we go out. She's got incredible <laughs> genes. But in 2017, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a very dire situation. Um, mm. So even then, right, it was, okay, we've got to move countries, you know, sort this out, have chats with the family, how do we find getting, going out? Um, then going to a new country, establishing base there, trying to get a job, moving cities in the new country. But the one thing that stayed constant between mom and I was, mom was like, I am now both mom and papa. I know papa was your best friend. Mom was obviously mom, you know, strict, <laughs> villain when, when you fuck up. Yeah, the, the she's villain's like, the second best friend. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'll put, she's like, I'll put the villain away, but... I need you to make sure that you support me as well. Not financially or emotionally, but if we do things, we do them together. Yeah. And we do everything to end up together. So um, that's what I stuck through. I was like, okay, cool. Yes, I will do this. Like, I'm, I'm here. I, I get you. I got you. We'll do it. But sometimes it's hard. Like, mom and I don't see eye to eye. We do have yeah. arguments and discussions because I'm like, that's how you did it. That's not nice. how I want to do it. And that's not necessarily how it should be done. And this is, I think, an age old, another ethnic beauty of our relationships with our parents. They do have mm. wisdom. They come from, you know, we, 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 we joke about the story of, I used to walk 10 kilometers to school with yeah. <laughs> and rat infested waters and on a bicycle that didn't have a chain that worked. They might sound like over exaggerations, but many a time they they they're, they're very true, and so our parents have seen a lot more of what we have, and they do. They've been in situations that we're in. They've acted like we have. The only thing they're trying to do is prevent us from making the same mistakes. But my relationship with mom has always been, I appreciate that you want to protect me, but I'm not gonna learn the things you learned unless I fall. And that has been the hardest thing for her because the only thing she wants is the protection, success and you know, benefit of her son. Mm. But when her son tells her, no, I want to fail, you've got to <laughs> let me fail and fall. She's like, you're fucking stupid. You are. <laughs> um, but the relationship since then has very much been, yeah, you are my best friend. There is nothing about my life my mother does not know. Um, mm. whether that's relationships, whether that's fuck ups in relationships, whether that's <laughs> money, whether that's, you know, what I need to do next in my career. Um, and you know, sometimes it's even, I won't say something, but she'll know <laughs> what I want to mm. say or what's going on in <laughs> no, my they, mind. They, they, have, they have like I, a fifth sense mums, yeah, or sixth yeah, sense, whatever 100%. you call it. Yeah. I'd, they know. Yeah, I was a six, seven, eight, nine. She got everything, bro. Every mom does. Every mother does. <laughs> And similarly with me. And like, they're so good I, at I'll holding it in anyways. Oh, yes, yes. She's very good at, you know, I, I can tell sometimes now, but even now, like, I'll know immediately if she's uncomfortable in a situation or a yeah. conversation or around someone. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Yep, I got you. I agree. Let's move on. Yeah. So it's it's been a growth journey for both of us. We're still on that journey because I'm getting older. She's also getting older. Now the conversation is... You need to get married. I'm like, <laughs> good oh, job. I've been there. <laughs> Actually, I am there. Sorry. 
Yeah, dude, dude we're 20, we're, um, and this is because, so she had me when she was 20, she got married when she was 21, 20, 24. Yeah, like, good luck. I was 24, luck, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, if the world has changed, mother dearest. Uh, she yeah. doesn't always agree with me, but sometimes she does. So the relationship has been one that keeps growing and will always have its challenges. Mm. And even now, mm. the visa situation in Australia, she, she can only visit me for a while and then go back. She's, she's going back um, uh, soon in the, next couple, in the next week, which is sad because mm. we've now you know, built this operating rhythm of, okay, this is what's happening. This is how we're going to do things. This is the next steps. And now she's got to go again. Then she got to come back. So it's, it's a relationship that consistently evolves but that i could not like i don't she was talking to me yesterday before she left giving me some gyan as mothers <laughs> always do she was like origin life doesn't go to plan this is what happened with papa what if what if my flight crashes tomorrow i'm like mom like shut up i can't deal with this shit right now please <laughs> but at the same time i've got to also try acknowledge that she's not wrong yeah. mm. and that is a frightening so it's a good relationship, but oh god, trust me, it's got, it's got, it's yeah. We've had some, we've had some colorful discussions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my, yeah. my uh, just on the marriage stuff, my mum always just is always on my back yeah. about that. So you make twenty five, oh, yeah. need to just get some, get a move along. Is All right, it, I it, want grandkids. Is it a good yep. girl for yep. you or? <laughs> Uh, any girl with a heartbeat at the moment, I think, this is probably what is probably her thing. Because literally anything. Wait, 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 wait. Anyone. Mike, are you single? Uh, yes. Yeah. Do you know anyone? Do you want? Any, okay. Do you know anyone? I might. I'm. I. I might have someone that is very much interested in, you know, considering you as as a suitable match. She's incredible. She's super smart. Oh. Um. She's already out of my league. Already out of my league. Shut up. And um, rumor has it she might actually already have a crush on you. So I yeah. might. Well, that's a first. <laughs> well, man, you're, you're a hot property at the moment. She is going to kill me. If, if this, if this, she's going to kill me. Well, tell her. I think because she listens to your podcast religiously. Oh. So oh, when man. she hears this, man, 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 calm down. I will man, be, calm I will down. be receiving man, man, a call. Breath, man, take a breath. Take a breath. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we'll get to the, to the end of the recording. <laughs> oh jeez! Oh god! Oh man! I'm so dead. I'm so dead. Uh, you're done. This conversation. This is, that is uh, that is very I'm finished. Very uh, any key, uh, name pictures? Or? <laughs> Do you want me crucified on the interweb? Uh, we'll put that one in the show um, notes I'll below. Say, I'll s- Deep breath, man. I can see you getting excited. I'm being very, I'm being very. You're giving me the jitters now, man. Um, uh, man, this guy's not going to be able to sleep till like seven a.m. now. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I the, the question that I wanted to ask originally, <laughs> before you got sidetracked, um, yes. What is the one trait that your dad passed on to you that you've now realized that is so papa i i tend to at times so i don't so i love eating really good food and having really good experiences so sometimes even when i can't i will splurge when i shouldn't (laughs) um and that i think is the most quintessential papa thing i've i've picked up which i'm working on very hard um and the other thing is uh 
I think no matter what, and this is probably my favorite one, I will always have a smile on my face. Mm. And that was the one thing Papa was always looking for. I was going um, to say, say resilience. Everyone keeps, keeps throwing that word at me, and I'm like, yeah, okay, it's, it's, that's great, thank you. <laughs> it sucks, though. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I agree. I think that's probably the trait that's come through. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. That it's, it's, it's a funny word, yeah. Like you said, resilience, because... In order for one to be resilient, then generally there has there, there is a, a hardship that they have to overcome. That's generally how resilience is measured. Yes. Which it's a really good yes. point you make there because, like you say, if someone says you're super resilient, it's like, well, I hope I wish it didn't have to be like that, right? It's like <laughs> it's it's not necessarily a yeah. It's it's and the other thing is I just generally struggle with compliments. But when people say that specific word to me, it always makes me feel like. I appreciate you and I appreciate the acknowledgement, but God, I would not wish it on my worst enemy to be resilient because it it takes a toll on you. And the whole smile thing is like, I think Baba taught me this. He was like, you would probably be going through your worst day or you're going through some shit, but the person in front of you might have it worse or even if they don't, the least you can do when you meet someone every day or you meet someone every new is be happy, put a smile on their face, um, and keep the one on yours because that goes a very long way. People, and this, and this, this my, <laughs> I'm going to quote you guys. This my Angelo quote um, actually is very true. People will forget you. Hmm. They might never remember you, but they will never, ever forget how you made them feel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I... So, when, he, when you hear about, like, me, people sometimes say, Oh, I do too much or I care too much or I, you know, I go above and beyond. It's, it's, it's because we're human beings first. Money, success, titles, everything comes later. Mm. We're people first. And if we can't make others feel good or do stuff for others, what the hell is the point of even existing? So, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's tough. Like, and, and, I, I I get a lot of similarities between you and I. I feel like um, because of the people that we are, we open up quite a bit with the people that we have. And, and I assume that you've also got a lot of deep one-on-one relationships with a number of different people as a result. Um, and I th- yeah, like, I know you've got a comment. Yeah, but uh, like, it's going to sound really weird to say, and I hope it doesn't come across in the wrong way, but because of the people that we are, we we share so openly and wholeheartedly in these one-on-one relationships. And what often ends up happening sometimes, I realize, is because we're just being ourselves, right? We're just being ourselves. And sometimes um, for these other people in our life, they probably don't get that same level of authenticity and vulnerability from people around them. And I've noticed, and this is going to sound really weird, so I don't know, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but what that has often meant is that certain people have felt that you're the closest person in their life um, because you've opened up so much. Um, but that's just the person that you are to begin with, if that makes sense. And, and, and the reason I share that is because um, I guess that can manifest into a negative situation where you're perceived not to be you know not to be um what is it like you're not there for them 
when they're through their toughest times. I, I don't know that. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm probably not articulating that incredibly well. But it's 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 a mismatch in the in the way you perceive each other. Um, um, and that's not to say you don't care about the other person, but it's yeah, it's just the person that you are. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I think perception is is definitely the right word, and it makes complete mm. sense because you. And then it also plays on the other person where you, Correct. the person who has shared and you're like, hold up, what, what image have I given this person of me? Yeah. For, like you still, you still really, care about yeah. them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But maybe not at that level. And the other thing is, um, like <laughs> with, with the, with the spicy brain, um, sometimes when someone's not there, uh, it's like they don't exist, which not that I don't care about them. But if yeah. someone's not physically around me or in front of me, it's genuinely like, oh, they don't exist. And then I'll remember, oh, wait, this human being exists. I need to message them or text them. And then I feel bad about that. But yeah. being that authentic self and being that open is part of trying to manage being on the same level playing field with everyone, which I don't think is a, is a normal thing, which is something mm. I, I really struggle with. Mm. Um, I've been told to become more skeptical by some of my closest friends because I need to, and I've le- I've burnt my hands. Uh, I just mm. that it's difficult to learn sometimes because it's like hard coded into us and trust less and you know only open up to those who have shown you that level of vulnerability. And yeah. I guess part of me does what I do because I want everyone to be like that, and that's just not fair. Mm. <laughs> Apparently, mm. but yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> The, the other other point is to the conversation you had earlier around money or the, the topic mm. you brought up about money. And I think all of us have a relationship with money. Um, it, it kind of shapes our identity. It often is quite intersectional with mental health. And it's hard because in, in society, it's one of those things that is a question. So everyone's got a very different perception and attitude towards money, right? Everyone has a very different net worth. And when you go to a dinner, you know, even like, for example, like a, like a dinner with like five or six different people, each person is coming into that dinner with a very different mm. attitude towards money. Yes. And yes. you kind of navigate and meander around how you order, how you mm. like what you buy in a way that doesn't really discuss each other's net worth or who what's who what's. Uh, mm. you know what's the level people are comfortable spending at and I've mm. always found that quite difficult from a personal point of view because I mm. certainly don't come from money um, mm. and it's played a role in perhaps dinners or it's played a role in the way I save and the way I spend and for you having come from you know having come from an upbringing where you had wealth and then having lost it and having to now rebuild it how has your attitude and yeah relationship with money sort of shaped up and especially in the last couple of years Mm. i love this question um yeah as you said having lived on both sides of the wealth spectrum i wholeheartedly feel like money is the worst fucking concept ever developed by humanity and humankind uh purely because when you have it you want more of it when you don't have it you need more of it and everything you do because of the society we've built is driven by a pursuit of it. Now, what that does, and the intersectionalities are not only um, 
kind of mental health based but also culture based so in an coming from an ethnic background um third culture brown boy it's always been for some reason the responsibility of the man of the house to take care mm. of the finances which is absolute bs second mental health money is the biggest stressor on the planet because for some people it is equivalent to putting food on the table which it has been for myself and for others it is Sam Bankman free level R I need 200 million dollars to be bailed out of jail mm. it doesn't matter what level you're at he is always a driver for stressor and mental health situations the only way to to kind of deal with that and those intersectionalities is learning and understanding it and not just your spending habits but your future planning your your short term pain long term gain your kind of you know uh ensuring that whatever you're working towards is for delayed gratification and not instant gratification my relationship has been driven by we had everything like you said and then we had nothing like when i say nothing i'm not like i genuinely mean nothing um and the only way to deal with that is to take difficult decisions and those are driven by everyday decisions like you said um which restaurant do you go to what kind of food do you eat which experiences do you have which do you not have and there's a stigma and shame related to not mm. having money which just sucks if you if it wasn't money it was something else I was like oh, I don't have the emotional capacity to come to this dinner or uh my car broke down I'm not going to come to this dinner are you ashamed do you feel guilty no but if you arrive at the dinner and maybe the place is more expensive than you thought it was you feel guilty and ashamed to not be able to afford what's on there and there's this taboo around talking about money which my parents had as well when we lost everything they they didn't talk to anyone they didn't tell anyone and if they did they would have received help from places that you know they would never have expected um and this taboo around talking about money is something i've had to deal with cuz money is something incredibly personal incredibly private but it doesn't have to be we all mm. know what essentially know what we earn we all know what jobs we're at or what our earning capacity is but keep keep i understand keeping wealth absolute numbers etc to yourself is important it's just how society is but if we talk in things like proportions for example it's an easier conversation to have but telling people that this is a way to talk about money and how to talk about money is so important because yeah it is it does have this level of guilt and shame associated with it which sucks mm. and my relationship is very hard because when i had it it wasn't mine when i didn't have it it was because i couldn't make it and then when i did make it i had to think about how to spend it for myself or whether or not to spend it on myself and also to take care of my personal financial situation mom etc and the only way around it that i've managed to try and make it a bit better is have conversations about it like my friends and i often have conversations about money and i appreciate them heaps because there there are times where and i've been categorical like i can't afford something or i can't do something and it's still difficult because there are sometimes when others want to do something and you can't always be there for someone or you want to be there with someone and you can't and i appreciate them when 
they sort of inherently know that I might not be able to do something, but so that I don't feel bad about not doing that, they won't ask me about it. I will have FOMO and I'll still feel shit about it. Oh, why didn't you ask me? I wish I could come. But part of me is also like, I, sometimes I will assume and know why I wasn't asked to do something because I can't afford it. Mm. And when you're honest about, when you don't let it have power over you and like, yeah, you know what? Fuck, I can't afford this at this point in time. It's not something that makes sense for me. I need to save up and do something else um, for for my future. That's fine because you're taking that decision for your own future benefit. But it doesn't make it any easier because you keep stressing about uh, you've got, you know, loans to pay or credit card dues or bills, electricity, food to put on the table and other people might have it more well off. So it's... Hmm. It's a hard relationship, but it's one that needs a lot of work. And money's been a stressor for the longest time. And it's it's really not having money that is the problem. It's not having to worry about money that people are striving towards. People associate this with greed. But what I figured out is it's not having this great, huge bucket of wealth that everyone wants or is working to. It's not having to worry about money if something goes wrong so if you need to end up in hospital knowing that you can if you need to go visit a family member because something's gone wrong in another country knowing that you can if you lost your job tomorrow knowing that you can put food on the table and pay rent knowing that you have the ability to do something is more important than having the ability to do that something and money drives all those decisions which is shit and horrible but it requires not only awareness and education but tools to actually be able to act on that education and awareness so Mm. yeah my relationship with money has been consistently evolving growing and learning i've made heaps of mistakes i've lost a lot of money i've been scammed i've tried to do things differently and lost money i've made money as well made some incredible investments and then because of that, was able to fund myself to you know come here or take other decisions that I needed to. So it's been something that I've had to trial and error with all the time. Mm. Fail, succeed, fail, succeed, fail, succeed. And it's different for everyone. But it doesn't help that we as a society don't talk about it much. And when we do, we associate shame, stigma and guilt with it. It shouldn't. Yeah. It's like everything else in life. It's money, it's the reality. Have a conversation about it so you can understand how to let it work for you, not you work for it. So, yeah. So it's a bit philosophical, but yeah. Mm. Mm. No, mm. I, I think I think you summed it up incredibly well. Um, no, yeah, I think knowing that you're gonna be covered when when something goes pear shaped, I mm. think the security and the value of that is incomprehensible. Yeah. 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 And also, yeah, I, I wonder just, just, uh, perhaps more of a tactical question, but around, um, how have you gone about hangouts and catch ups with people Mm. knowing that it might be outside your comfort zone with money? Yeah. Um, Obviously, with your closest friends, it's okay, perhaps, mm. because you can be a little mm. bit more upfront and they know your story. But yeah. especially as you start meeting new people mm. um, and you're wanting to develop a bond, 
sometimes the first port of call is let's go for lunch, yeah. let's go for dinner. I yeah. keep going to food examples because yeah. it's the most yeah. easiest yeah. to relate to, but mm. um, yeah. the, uh, you know, there's 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 many more permutations of that. So yeah, yeah, I think with my closest friends, I have that conversation openly, where they're very well aware of my commitments, my obligations, my ability and my capabilities to do or not do things, and before. If we do want to do something that might cost a bit more money, we plan for it in advance, which allows all of us to have time to do to get our shit together. And there's no pressure or obligation on doing so. With new people, and a more tactical way about it is society perceives your ability by your wealth or the wealth signals you give it because of this consumerist capitalistic society we've built for ourselves. So I don't engage in any large financial commitments with people I don't know beyond a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't, unless I get to the point where I can be like, hey, yeah, we can do lunch, but if we do, it'll probably be at, I don't know, some hole in the wall place in the city that won't charge an arm and a leg for food. Um, yeah, the, the, I think the, broad, the broader point I think is from 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 where I see it is that money equals certainty and certainty equals safety. Yeah. Yes. That's what it, that's what Correct. it is. It's it 100%. is. Um, I, and I think that's why, like you said, we we live in a society at the moment where the only way you can guarantee certainty and safety is by sleeping on a bed of cash. So mm. uh, that that is that that's just the way society mm. operates. Yeah. And safety informs risk appetite. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so it it all it, it all um, hmm. links in together. Yes. Yeah. 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 Correct. Safety does inform risk appetite, but uncertainty also does inform risk appetite. Because when you when you have a lot to lose, mm. you're very careful. Um, when you have nothing to lose you're not careful at all. And hmm. both of those decisions, neither is better than the other, neither is wrong or right. Both of those lead to really good outcomes. But hmm. you never want to be in a yeah. situation where you take a call based on uncertainty that risks your certainty. That's the mistake everyone But I, uh, Arj, like obviously we've um, talked a little bit that about ev- that uh, your involvement in the startup space. To avoid you're doing some awesome work within Nam, so I just want to give you a bit of the space to just to talk about that, and you're repping the Merc as well. <laughs> um, what is Nam? What do oh. you do, and why cool. do you do it? Um, shameless plug, Nam. <laughs> we are reinventing <laughs> investing to change the world, and we do that one curated impact portfolio at a time. The goal at Nam is to become the impact engine of the future. And what I mean by that is we'd like to redirect every single dollar of capital in the world into impact. Now, to talk more tangibly about what that looks like, we help young people that don't know how and where to invest their money to do so with an impact by providing investment literacy throughout the investment process. So it's an app that shows you how to invest your money, tells you exactly where it's being invested and exactly what impact it's going to have dollar for dollar. Um, We ask you three simple questions. What do you love about the world? What do you hate about the world? And how do you want to change the world? 
using those questions, our algorithm curates a custom portfolio. It's a micro portfolio of 10 to 15 stocks from every single stock market on the planet just for you. You're then able to customize that portfolio mm. based on what you've learned in the process of which stock do I like, which do I don't, what performance do I want. Um, and you can then track your impact. So trees planted, animals saved, renewable gigawatts of energy generated, carbon emissions prevented as a direct result of your investment in these companies. Now that's the crux of the business, but the most important part is what we like to call the Inam impact loop. So that's where we reinvest our profits back into the impact ecosystem to support women of color, people of color, any young person from a previously disadvantaged or currently disadvantaged background with access to capital mm. to build the businesses of the future. Because we've not had access to the capital Anglo-Saxon people do for no other reason than the fact that they are Anglo-Saxon. And that's got to change. So we do that through Inam. So Inam is a circular financial economy, essentially empowering and empowering the next generation of, of retail investments. Um, we start off with stocks, move on to debt, impact on the workplace and impact on the private markets. Mm. That's, that's what we do and, and how we're trying to make a dent in the world. Um, because I truly and dearly believe that money is a choice. It's where it goes in and where it goes out and we drive that choice. So uh, if we as a collective start driving global financial markets to make the right choices and put money in the right places, we can tangibly make a difference on everyone's lives. Um, so yeah, and the reason why we started it was Papa. I, and I spoke to over, I've spoken to over 500 people now. So many people have been through similar situations where they didn't know how to invest their money, didn't understand money. And I know what that looks like on the ground and I just could not let any other family go through this ever again so that's why we exist mm -hmm. and we're going to change the world so if you want to hop on the bandwagon um sign up to the waitlist on our website so yeah and what's the it's website www.inam.me that's spelled i-n-double-a-m dot me <laughs> Thank yeah, you right. for the shameless plug. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be in there. <laughs> 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 Might as well do it right if we're gonna do it. Yeah, it's uh, man, this has been an awesome conversation. So thank you very much. Thanks, man. Um, thank I, you. Thank I you. I honestly mean me. it when I say a minute, an hour forty-five <laughs> or about an hour forty has flown by, um, and that has generally yeah. flown by. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. felt no, every it, moment it, of that, but that, yeah. Yeah, I love it when you get consumed by a conversation. It's um, yeah, yeah it, it is. Uh, even yeah. at the last sort of half an hour, I've just been sort of yeah. listening, and it's yeah. just been yeah. yeah. I've really enjoyed the way you've like articulated yeah. your entire story. Yeah. It, it comes you've as a product of, I think it, it comes as a product of all the introspection that you've yeah. that you've done um, in the past. So yeah, Thank super you. yeah. But, but actually, it's actually a massive privilege to actually share this space with you. And yeah. even though we're thousands and thousands of miles apart um it is yeah it's yeah oh, absolute privilege really to become a brit you're using yeah, miles yeah. instead of kilometers yeah exactly there you go yeah man we're on the metric yeah, system sorry. um get your yeah, shit together. I, I definitely have no, not got my shit together at all it's it's genuinely such an honor and it, kudos to you guys for making this space for having these conversations and allowing these conversations to happen they're so important um and i hope all our brothers out there can learn from the work <laughs> you're doing. I'm going to uh, 
finish off by saying um, this is Sunny signing off. This is Mank signing off. Arjun checking out. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you are enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.